0: Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. And by the way, there will be a show name update that's going to be happening soon. It's just going to be called the Tim and Julie Harris Show or something along those lines because a lot of people are listening to the show that we are discovering are not in real estate. So I want to share with you, all of you, and then we're going to get to our topic. And the topic is something that Julie and I wrote actually uh, for live content for the event we did on Saturday, but we didn't get to it. So those of you who were at the event, um, this is one of the things that we hope to present uh, to you, but we didn't have a chance to. Uh, this is a topic Julie and I had a lot of fun with, and we'll get through hopefully most of the points today. And, and the topic's name is, uh, what Julie, how many points is it, 14? Julie? Hold on, I got to unmute you. <laughs> oh, muting. Okay, Julie, you're going to have to call back in. Okay, so the topic of the show is basically it's what every old realtor wishes they would have done differently. So what every old realtor wishes they would have done differently is the topic of today's show. So um, here's the thing, a couple of things just uh, from the event that I I learned that I think all of you guys need to be very uh, aware of. All of you being the you know hundred to 200,000 of you that are going to listen to this show live and in replay. We are on target. I'm 100% confident we are on target with our um, the way we're seeing the market. So I had an interesting call this morning. It, uh, we, Julie and I have a lot of uh, private clients who are brokers. You're good, Julie. We have a lot of pl- private clients who are brokers, a lot of private clients who are the, some of the top agents in the nation. One of the reasons they choose to hire us to be their coaches is that we agree to sign non-disclosure agreements. They don't want us coaching them and, uh, and then have their competition finding out that we're also coaching them. It makes total sense to me. So I'm having a coaching call with one of the it, – it was a broker, and he owns a very high-end luxury brand in, in Beverly Hills. That's all I'm going to say. So – I'm having this conversation with him, and we're talking about uh, what what some of the content Julie and I actually have gone down in a lot of detail of, and we thought we were getting ahead of our skis a little bit, because we noticed nobody else was talking about this, and, and the, the conversation I had with him was basically about the phases of the popping of the real estate bubble, or the phases of essentially real estate correction, whatever you want to call it, and um, Julie and I had done a whole bunch of research on this. We presented a little bit of it uh, to you guys uh, last week or the week before. You can go back and listen to our old podcast, and we... we put it in not an accountant or an economics perspective but we presented it in such a way that real estate agents would understand it so we just basically did explaining the phases of the real estate correction uh in real estate ease and it went over really well because agents completely and totally were misunderstanding all the you know economist graphs and all the stuff they're presenting and bloomberg articles and all this stuff it was all very very analytical and way too just wasn't applicable, it wasn't practical, it wasn't useful information, and then when Julie and I broke it down and made it so that, you know, fellow practitioners could understand it, they got it, and so what we determined from that event, from what uh, we had uh, during the event, we had thousands of people watching the live stream, you know, the whole thing, so based on all that feedback, here's what I've learned, and I'm, I was confident, but only about 90% confident before, now I'm 190% confident that we are definitely in what Julie and I are calling phase two of the real estate correction. And um, so the phase two, Julie, if you want to just hit maybe like three or four of the bullets, do you have those in front of you by chance?
1: I just use that with a coaching client. I don't have it in front of me, but I think I will remember. Phase two is, uh, has several indicators, but one of which is that aspirational pricing comes to an end you can't just throw a dart at the board and get it plus 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 with multiple offers that's one point so you may end up getting one offer not a whole bunch Julie, you and said it you said it yeah you said stops it stops being at full list okay, also so, so, yeah
0: right well go go back to other points so you don't have to belabor that particular point you said okay. it precisely so go on to the next sub point under that
1: okay so one of them get, would get, right yeah well inspections So when we're in phase one, you know, the seller gets to stick it to the buyer. You want something fixed? Too bad. I'll just take my backup offer or the backup offer behind that. So in phase two, we start seeing a lot more inspection issues actually get negotiated, and buyers begin to be willing to walk over it. So the in-contract phase becomes more challenging. The client management and transaction management is tougher. We also see appraisal problems coming back to light. Maybe not in every deal, but it becomes very noticeable.
0: And then you have buyers taking themselves out of the marketplace. You have buyers basically that are getting gun shy. And then as we roll into phase, phase two also uh, brings back real asshole uh, appraisals. So that's what the problems You're going to see all these experiences happening in your marketplace. Many of you are experiencing them right now. Some of you are just starting to experience them. We had a good, you know, I think we had a good smattering of agents from all over the country that were in that room here in Austin, and it was very telling. All, this, But here's what was fascinating to me, and it doesn't surprise me, is that, there, uh, some of them had listened to the podcast. Probably half of them had listened to the podcast. They sort of had an understanding of what was happening. And but what they all started to ask us when we had a break, and I've been getting emails about it too. And this is what you know generated this uh, call I had with this high-end broker: is why the hell isn't anyone else talking about this, right? And so um, I don't have an answer for you. I'll tell you what the inner skeptic in me thinks: it's because I think that the brokerage community. I think that the other people who have positioned themselves over the last 10 years as being leaders in real estate, you know, be it other coaches or gurus or, uh, you know, hell, half, there's not a single article on Inman right now uh, that's talking about this. Now, Inman follows the news. They don't make the news. So I expect them to, like when there's a Bloomberg article that comes out, they didn't report on the Bloomberg article. When there was a whole bunch of other you know, anecdotal research that came out from Case Schiller, there was not a single article on Inman about this. And I don't want to burn a bridge within them, but I want to hold them accountable to basically the content they're producing. That it, if you know, they're why is it that they're not ta- telling the story? Why is it that brokers aren't telling the story? So I'm on the phone with this high-end broker, and I'm talking to him, answering those questions, and I'm uh, helping him to um, frame it in such a way that he can explain it to his agents in a manner that will. He's, his fear, the reason he was holding himself back, he was looking for me to um, essentially give him permission, sounds arrogant, but that is what it was, to tell his agents the truth, and I was giving him the words to use so that he didn't scare them off. Because his way of doing it would have been like doing a financial report like the kind of you see on uh, Bloomberg or something like that, which would have gone way over their heads, which because they didn't understand what he was trying to say because he was trying to report it like he was some sort of economist, would have scared the shit out of them, and that would have basically caused panic. So the way we explained it and the way we explained – like punch, counterpunch, here's what you're going to experience and here's what you need to do now. Here's what you're going to experience in phase two and phase three and here's what you need to do now. That's what I'm suggesting to all the people in the industry, anybody who's listening, and I know there's literally thousands, tens of thousands of you that are listening. You need to be positioning your agents, and I don't care what capacity in the industry you are in, you have a moral obligation to tell them the truth. You cannot listen to this podcast today if this is the first time you've ever listened to us. You can, you can be as much of a skeptic as you want to. You can say, oh, Tim and Julie, they have hidden agendas. You can say whatever bullshit you want to say to try to rationalize not doing what, what you should morally do is telling agents the truth about what's going to happen in the marketplace. But you're, you're going to have to move past that. You're going to have to move past it fast or you're not going to survive. Your brokerage isn't going to survive. Agents are going to be – now, here's the challenge. Office managers who are basically not willing to create work for themselves and basically have a brokerage that they work for, they're insulated. If they don't – you know. so brokers, office managers, uh, team leaders, I get it. You guys are probably not going to do – you're not going to carry the heavy – you're not going to do the heavy lifting here. You didn't before You know, 11, 12 years ago. That's fine. We're going to do it. We're going to tell your agents. We're going to prepare them. We're going to give them the information they have to know. But here's what's going to happen to you. They're going to learn the truth either from their own personal hardships or from listening to us. And then they're going to go back to you and they're going to say, why didn't you tell me? And then they're not going to be faith and confidence in you. That's the problem. That's by being complacent with telling the truth, you're actually going to create a massive problem for yourself. Do not worry about being too ahead of your skis. I was was honest with you guys. I said a couple weeks ago, and Julie and I really were getting the gumption up to start presenting this type of, you know, information. that I was not confident that we weren't ahead of our skis. But now I know I'm not. All the information and the feedback I'm getting is telling me, Tim, stay on target, and that's what we're going to do. You guys have to do that as well because if you think you're sitting in some insulated market in the Midwest where sellers are you know still commanding price and the whole thing, and it's not gonna happen here, it is going to happen there. It might be delayed by six months. But if you don't start having these conversations with your agents and they start hearing it other places, they're gonna ask themselves why you didn't tell them the truth. And you're what are you gonna say, I didn't know the truth? Well, that's gonna give you a an instant vote of no confidence isn't it if you don't want to do it and this is the reason i was talking to this guy in la let us do it we'll do it for you so if you want julie and i to basically in a very organized systematic understandable non-emotional non-panic inducing way explain to your mls explain to your brokerage explain to the agents in your office whatever and however we can help you we will do it that's what we're here for that is the reason that we're in this industry right now and we didn't retire five years ago because the industry hopefully uh, will be receptive to not doing what it did last time, which is allowing agents to suffer. Hopefully, this time the industry is going to have more respect for the fact that the agents are the boots on the ground. The agents are the people that make it happen. The agents are the ones that take the arrows. They're the front line soldiers. They're those people, and you have to take care of them because they're the ones that are going to take care of you. If your market gets really challenging which in some cases it's going to get really really challenging so you have to take care of them now you have to prepare them that's your job if you want to have us come in and talk with your group if you want to uh, you know it doesn't matter how you want to do it webinar we can fly in and talk with them directly send me an email directly tim at tim and tim at tim and or julie at tim and and we'll be happy to do so um, you know, let's, let's work through this together, group. Let's work together to make it so that when it's obvious that the market has, you know, changed to the point where agents are starting to panic, they'll already have a plan versus you having to play catch-up. Because the first thing that's going to happen is if your agents see that you didn't either know the truth or tell them the truth and prepare them, they will leave you. That is what's going to happen. It's what happened before. And they should, to be honest with you. If you knew the truth, and this is the heart of the conversation I had with a guy in L.A. today, in, in Beverly Hills. He knew the truth. He just didn't know how to tell him without causing panic. He wanted to do the right thing. He just didn't necessarily know how. And this is something that's been in the business for decades. So there it is. I wasn't prepared to talk about what I just said, but I was just off the phone, and that kind of motivated me to. So there you go. <laughs> All right, Julie, um, anybody yes. you'd like to acknowledge and whatnot, or do you want to get to our points?
1: Well, I want to acknowledge all of the great uh, attendees that came to our event last weekend, brokers, office managers, and of course, coaching clients and podcast listeners. It was quite a mix and it was fantastic meeting all of you live. I just wanted to shout out collectively to all of their bright, shining faces from the audience. And, you know, they heard a fair amount of what you were just talking about And I think it was a mixture of deer in the headlights. And, oh, yeah, I'm experiencing that. It just really depends on your market and your price segment and what you're dealing with. But I think that they took it well. And we had a discussion. You know, you're talking about brokers doing them a disservice by if you know it and you're not talking about it. And we appreciate that you don't know how to deliver the message in such a way that you won't freak them all out. We appreciate that. But by extension, when your agents know it but don't share it with their prospects and clients – that's not good either so it all trickles down to being of service to the public and helping everyone with all of their real estate needs and i think if we don't have these discussions we're all kind of participating in malpractice together because the writing is on the wall a few weeks ago maybe not quite as much but after a lot of research a lot of boots on the ground talking to our attendees and you know our own research it's very clear that for the most part we're entering into phase two so we'll be talking more about that with you guys And uh, there we go. So on to our topic. And Tim, if you want to stay on phases, we can. Or we can go to what every old realtor wishes they'd done differently because they are related. It's up to you.
0: Let's do what every old realtor wishes they would have done differently. And now that you and I are in our 40s and we say old realtor, it's not as funny as it used to be when we said that. You know, when we were True. in our 20s and we used to call the crowd old and was like, oh, you guys just wait. Well, we did, and you were right, so there you go. We are. That's funny anymore. <laughs> but no. so these are the things. This is uh, – so, Julie, we can do the phases thing after we're done with this topic maybe in a day or so, yeah, okay? Yeah,
1: that's fine. Yep. Okay, All right, okay, so, sounds guys.
0: Good. Oh, this is – I opened up the wrong PDF. Okay, so we need to talk about – I we'll go – and we're going to talk about what every old Thank realtor you. needs to know. Why don't you go ahead and – oh, here it is. I got it. Okay. Okay, good. Here you go. We're going to go through these points. And uh, let and Julie, let's go through these relatively quick because they're – they don't need – they're just kind of self-explanatory, yeah, right?
1: self-explanatory. Mm-hmm.
0: So the question I have, and this is a way to basically mentally and emotionally prepare you for this material, is if you – now, some of you weren't in the business 10 years to 12 years ago, but if you were – and you knew in 2006 that there was a real estate absolute storm that was going to be coming, and it would essentially cause you know havoc in home values and everything, if you knew for sure it was happening, and it was at the peak of the bubble, or it was when every seller was in control, it's when you had closings, when business was easy to get, when it was easy to be sloppy with your money, when it was easy to say, I'm going to spend my efforts you know, building my all these types of trendy things that basically only happen in a seller's market, If you were selling real estate back then and you had a crystal ball that told you that around the corner, you know, a month, two months, maybe a year from now, and this is 06, you're looking into 07, there was going to be a huge change in the market. The question we – this is how we – in our brains, this is how we positioned this material when we were writing these points. What would you have done differently? So what would you have done differently if you knew that a change was coming? And you better sure as heck be listening because there is. Point number one. That the path, sorry, the fastest path is not to reinvent the wheel. It's to follow the path of others who have already won. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. So stop using real estate as a creative uh, way to express yourself. Stop using like if you if you see yourself trying to make your own version of what uh, you know a team or your all these creative little things that people think they're supposed your team culture. Your, your different ways of doing this and the other thing. Why would you do that when there's already basically proven ways to do it? Did you get into real estate to make money, or did you get in real estate basically because it's like a big canvas with a bunch of oil paints, and you're going to start trying to become an impressionist artist with your business? A lot of people are thinking that the reason that they got into business is to basically express themselves and show their uniqueness with all the creative ideas they come up with. And I respect that, but that is not thinking like a business person. A business person focuses on being of service to other people and making profit. So if there are proven paths to get you to the point where you can help people, a lot of people, and make a lot of profit, don't screw around with trying to recreate the wheel. It is a waste of time and a waste of your potential. And furthermore, you're going to Start to doubt yourself. The longer you, still, you try to cre- do your own creative thing, if you ever hear yourself saying the word, I'm trying this, those are these types of wasted energies that could be vastly better used with essentially following a path that's already been created and proven to work a billion times. Point number two. Point
1: really? number two, that they should have kept their, pow- kept their powder dry and invested more earlier during the times of greatest opportunity. We asked that question at the event. What would you have done differently? Those of you who were in it last time around, and every single person raised their hand said the same thing. Kept my powder dry, bought more real, uh, investment properties, flips, etc. when I saw the opportunity. Well, you're about to see it again, so keep your powder dry. Point number
0: three. Here's what people don't understand. Your ability to borrow money uh, in a real estate and when property values start to drop is going to drop. You, those of you who have home equity lines of credit, uh, and you think, well, shit, I have a couple hundred grand here and a couple hundred grand there, in potential places I can borrow money. The first thing the banks are going to do, how do I know this? Because they did it before, is they are going to cap your credit lines to whatever the amount of money that you currently owe, and you will have no other uh, borrowing power. Furthermore, when you fill out a credit application to borrow money to buy a house, those of you who aren't paying cash, and they say you have anything to do with the real estate business, you will probably not get the loan because real estate people like back in the you know, 07, you know 06, 07, 08, 09, will, are essentially going to be blackballed by the lenders because of the fact that they're going to see that as a potentially you know bad loan because of the nature of what's happening in the housing market. A fact. Next point, Julie?
1: Yep, make some jittery. Next point that they should have forced themselves to do what they didn't want to do when they didn't want to do it and that they should have learned how to do it at a high level earlier. We're already seeing this with some of you guys who get it embracing the increase in expireds for example. A lot of you would have done that faster earlier looking back so this time around you are taking control of the market and we love to see that so that's just one example. Point number four, that they should have paid themselves instead of last or when there was something, I'm sorry, that they should have paid themselves first instead of last, or when there was something left. And in fact, Warren Buffett states this better than I just did. He said, Do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. I think that's great advice. And how many agents really do that? Now's the time to get better at that. Back to you.
0: A great book. A great book uh, is The Richest Man in Babylon. If you guys have not read that, definitely read that book. But it is really, that, that point, we, we make that as often as we can for those of you who choose to listen. You literally pay yourself first after every dollar you earn. Uh, it's it's co- totally and completely counterintuitive, but smart families that are raising their kids to be rich, they do that. They teach their kids when you get, you literally guys, I want you peeling off money to save it before you pay your taxes. Pay yourself first, otherwise there'll be nothing left for you to pay yourself with and you'll never have the ability to have any cash to take advantage of some of the opportunities you'll have. Point number cinco, that everything takes at least five times longer uh, as long as they wanted it to or thought it would, and that's so true. Everything takes longer than you think it will. I don't know how else to say that more succinctly than we just did. So if those of you who think that you're just going to get it, you have some sort of innate talent or skill or whatever, you might, but to become really good at it, it's going to take a lot longer than you think. So if you give up too soon, if you basically are you know your magnetic pull, the easy button ideas, and anything like that is. Those are always going to be omnipresent in your life. But the truth is, the things that you're here. What are the things that you're avoiding in real estate? What are the things that you don't want to do? You should write those down. Just make a mental list of those things right now. And here's the funny thing: every single one of those things that you don't want to do are the same things that lead directly to a paycheck. Don't you see the irony in that? And if I asked you what you do want to do in real estate, it's all the shit that doesn't lead directly to a paycheck. No wonder you don't have any money. Point number – what point is it? Oh, point number six, that they should have created multiple sources of income as early as possible. So remember how we teach all of you guys to have multiple, uh, multiple spokes in your lead generation wheel? You should have multiple spokes on your income wheel too. I'll give you a perfect example. And we're back out in California now mentally with our storytelling. One of the top agents out there, and she was on uh, two TV shows, the whole thing. Lots and lots of high-end celebrity listings. Valerie Fitzgerald, who's I'm talking about, a wonderful, wonderful woman. So we had her on the show. She's one of our superstars. This is I don't know, years ago. And she and I were talking about what she had to do, basically, to make it so that she kept her listing inventory in a changing market. Now, i will give you an extreme example, but it waters down to you guys, too, I promise. Her sellers had the money. They didn't have to sell their multimillion-dollar houses. They could have just kept them, just kept them vacant, let raccoons run through them. I mean, you know, trying to be funny, but you get the point. And what she did instead is she basically converted all the listings that didn't sell because the properties values got, you know, they plummeted, and she converted them all into rentals. And she kept those relationships with those sellers. Then she said, shit, this rental thing, this rocks. So now she has a permanent rental business in addition to her sales business, and the rental business feeds the sales business and vice versa. There's another great agent in Long Beach named Mike Dunphy. Same thing. In Long Beach, he was doing condos right on the water. You know, one of the top agents. All, this is back in 06, 07, market turn, inventory shot up. People were underwater. He said, listen, you can short sale it. You know, If you have equity, you can sell it. You're going to sell into a down market, or we can lease it. They all said leasing it. His leasing business built so fast that his positive passive cash flow from his leasing business is, essentially eclipsed the amount of money he was making in real estate commissions. The point of this is that you need to have multiple sources of income. Uh, and should be working towards it. The easiest one, we talked about this a lot at the event, was do, getting into doing BPOs. That's something we teach you in Premier Coaching. If you guys are not real estate practitioners listening, if you're not doing BPOs or have somebody on staff for you doing BPOs, you could literally teach your kid to do BPOs for you. And you, uh, you grade them and make sure they're correct before you send them in. It's not a challenging business to get into. It's a nice, consistent source of income. Do enough BPOs every single month to cover all your personal overhead. You have to get on this early before everyone else figures this out, and then you can weather any financial storm. And by the way, a lot of the BPOs lead to the incredibly lucrative REO relationships. This is a no-brainer for a lot of you. Another spoke we helped you guys create is those of you who want to start your own coaching businesses. We, we created um, Harris uh, – <clears throat> Harris Certified Coaching Program, the Harris Certified Coaching Affiliate Program. If you want to discover that or learn more about it, just go to harriscertifiedcoachaffiliate.com, or you can just go to our website, timandjulieharris.com, and look at programs, and you'll see it right there. Essentially, it gives you all the the tools, everything you need to start your own coaching business, your own coaching business that produces passive income from recurring revenue from people paying for their coaching. We created that for you guys so you could start your own coaching businesses, I know, sounds crazy, but we did. So there it is. Go explore that. And there's a lot of other things you can do to leverage and create parallels out of your existing business easily while there's still time. You need to do these things now. Don't wait. And by the way, your team is going to be the worst, and buyer's agents are going to be the worst source of any kind of income for you in a changing market like this. The buyers are going to drop like flies. I had another brilliant conversation with somebody else, and we basically all – this little triumphant meeting I had with these high-level people, we all agreed that basically buyer's agency is going to be the thing of the past within – within, we told you guys about this on a podcast – we got a lot of shit about it online, but you know what? It turns out a lot of other people are thinking the same thing. They're just not telling you. You know, these are people that basically were brokers and you know, again, influencer types. They aren't saying what we're saying. They don't want to deal with the ramifications of panicking agents. It's, we see it as our job to prepare agents, so we're going to tell you. They're all saying, they all know what we're saying is true, and they actually had more drill-down reasons why what we were saying was true, some things I hadn't even considered. There's an MLS right now where there's brokerages and top agents, Virginia, where they're making Northern Virginia specifically, where they're actually putting in an option, look in your MLS, where buyer's agent commission shows up as in. In stands for negotiable. If you don't think Buyer's Agents commissions is going to come up as no longer an entitlement of the transaction, you're crazy. You're not paying attention. You're not listening. That means when you work with a a buyer and you're selling them a $500,000 house and you expect to be paid $15,000, you're going to have to explain to them why you showing them six houses is worth $15,000. You're going to have to rationalize to them, and then they're going to have to add that to the price that they're paying for the house. Are you listening to me? Many of you who have businesses that are predicated on the entitlement of a buyer side commission are going to go out of business instantly when this starts becoming something that's accepted by sellers, which it will. Well, I just won't show those houses, you buyer agents might say. You can't control that. Your buyers are going to go directly to the listing agents. Thank you, Zillow. Thank you, Realtor.com. You can't control what they want to see, and you know it. You can try to talk crap about it so they won't want to see it, but they're still going to go see it anyway, and then they're going to find out you basically talk crap about it for the sake of your own commission. Good luck building a long-term business around those values and ethics. You listening to me, agents? So we're trying to prepare you, even if it causes a little bit of fear and panic, just don't stay in fear and panic mode too long. Get into action mode, and then take advantage of the things the new market has to offer. Julie, do we have another time for a, a, one more t- one more point? What do you think? Uh,
1: just one more. Yes. Well, cause this oh, no, is you know what? Point number seven.
0: No, 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 no. Let's end here, because this point's too big.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> it's too big. That's we can't true. do that in three it's minutes. It's a
1: cliffhanger. No way. You're right. It's a cliffhanger. You're right. Yeah, that's right. Tomorrow. Okay. So we'll
0: get to it tomorrow. Tomorrow. We're picking up at point seven. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> These are the days of our lives. All right, so <laughs> listen, guys. <laughs> you ever watch soap operas when you were a kid, Julie?
1: It's been a long time. I, I get enough from coaching calls, actually. So did <laughs> you ever well, watch all soap operas when you late. were a kid? Did yes. you yes. ever yes. watch
0: soap? Yes. Okay, which one did you? Well, why were you afraid to admit it? My <sighs> oh, sister and gosh. I used to watch it.
1: It was your singing, really, that I was cracking me up. But, uh, oh. yeah, I can't remember what they were my called.
0: Si- my sister and I used to watch General Hospital every day. Remember Luke and Laura?
1: Oh yes, Luke and Laura. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wasn't that funny? Oh my god, how's that popping in my head right now?
1: It must be this is the problem.
0: I yes, yeah, it's clearly time <laughs> to wrap. So listen, listeners, here's the bottom line. Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for agents. There's no the it's just incredible, truthfully. I I mean I'm we're honored to um be entrusted with so many of you, with your, the confidence you guys give us and the motivation you give us to continue to drill down. And I'm not going to get emotional, but some of the things that people said to us really touched us. So we appreciate the opportunity to be of service to you. We will continue to do it. We are going to continue to tell you the things that you need to hear so that your family and you, don't ha- you can thrive in any market, not just a good seller's market where, frankly, it's not that hard, We want to make it so that doesn't matter what the economic reports are, who the president is, or who the whatever, whatever, it doesn't matter. You're always going to be of service to other people. Your head's going to be true, your mind is going to be true, true north, where you know your highest and truest purpose is to be of service to other people. And we're always going to prepare you guys ahead of time so you can get your skills on so nothing takes you by surprise. That's our jobs. Your job is not be complacent and take too long. Your job, office managers, brokers, anybody who's finding themselves in a position of influence over agents, your job is stop protecting yourself and start telling agents the truth so they don't have to suffer because they're counting on you to tell them the truth. Your job is to start having the courage that, frankly, we had to muster, to do what we're doing now. It's not that difficult, and I have to tell you, um, the feedback you're going to get from your agents is going to shock you because they're going to say, I was waiting for you to tell me this. They're going to tell you, thank you for telling me this. That's where they're going to go with that. If you want us to do it for you, it's no problem. We will. We don't do it for free, but if you want us to help you with this transition and preparing your agents, we can do it in a you know, typical Tim and Julie direct fashion, but we're always going to give people action items so they're going to feel confident and they're not going to feel fear. If you want us to do that for you, email me directly, Tim at timandjulieharris.com. Agents, if you want a free coaching call, I always offer this. This is a great time for you to jump on this. Go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Everyone else, we're going to pick up on our last seven points tomorrow, and then for the rest of the week, we're going to talk about the phases of a, the crashing of the real estate market. I, that's not the name of the call necessarily, but you get the gist. <laughs> you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.